this time of year, we begin to see representations of the Holy Family come out of closets and storage bins. They're usually a nativity set. In fact, it is rare to find in any circumstances an image of the Holy Family where Jesus is a youth or an adolescent. It just isn't uh, typically made. So whenever I see one, I'm always in awe because it is one of the more irregular representations of Jesus uh, in his time before he began his ministry. I certainly love crushes and nativity sets. And in fact, Jean and I have a collection that she has collected over the years of various different representations from different countries. But we also find that image of the Holy Family with Jesus as a youth to be an interesting image. We don't know much about Jesus's time between uh, his birth until um, his ministry. However, we know this. He was with Joseph and Mary, and they raised him, they showed him love. They formed him to be a faithful Jewish boy who developed into becoming a faithful Jewish man. And that is something that is amazing. God himself, the second person of the Holy Trinity, being shown how to relate to God by Joseph and Mary. They certainly didn't understand the Holy Trinity. I bet that mystery was not revealed even to Mary at that time because she, no doubt, did not understand things until after the resurrection. And Joseph, as we know, died before Jesus began his ministry. But the love that he received from Joseph and Mary was certainly incredible love. And I hope that we all have received that from our parents and that we all show it to our children, to our friends, to the rest of the world. So, grounding ourselves in that great love of God and of children and of each other that we see in the Holy Family, in creches and nativity sets, how do we make sense of today's gospel? Where Jesus says, If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he talks about calculating and figuring out how to build a tower or deal with people in battle. And then Jesus ends the quote that we have from today's gospel. In the same way, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. How do we make sense of this? And what is that meaning to say to us? Perhaps one way to look at it is to say, if we are to be a disciple of Christ, we must put aside our personal opinions, our prejudices that we have had from growing up, 
our ties with nationality, tribe, ethnic group, nation, sports team, even in essence aspects of religion that tie us and keep us separate from what Christ wants us to be. This is shocking. It really is. Because the things that have formed us are good things. If they have formed us in a positive way, they are good. The aspects of our lives that have twisted us are not from God. They are leading us away from God. But for the most part, our formation has been good. Because if we are listening to this message, we are wanting to have a deeper faith. And therefore, we have had a positive relationship with Christ, with God. And so, we are trying to be better disciples. Not trying to be disciples right now, but better disciples. And so, this gospel, which challenges us, asks us to say... What aspects of our life is hindering us, is delaying us from becoming a better disciple? And that is difficult. It is something which challenges us in every sense of the way because it calls into question our relationship with many people who are dear to us. And that's why we hear this shocking word Whoever does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children. Does God want us to hate those in our family? No, absolutely not. In fact, we have it as a commandment to love and honor our father and our mother. That is key. It is a key commandment. And so, we must ponder, how do we move forward with this in mind? I think the best way we could consider would be to look at our relationship with how we treat others. Not just how we love God, but how do we treat others, especially those who are inconvenient to us. People who cause us to get frustrated or who ask things of us that we don't want to give, whether it is our time, our listening, or whether it is care need that we meet, the poor, those who are in prison, those who are sick, those who are dying, those who have a difference, whether it is a mental health difference or they are struggling with an addiction, any one of those people who come to us, who, with whom we interact and you know, therefore can be someone who drains us in some way, is someone whom God wants us to treat the way Jesus would, to show them God's love. It doesn't mean that we can solve all the problems that they have, because we can't. There are many problems that we are unable to solve. But we have to treat them with God's love. And if aspects of our life from how we grew up prevent us from doing so, whether we are prejudiced against someone because of a particular ethnic difference that is different than ours, or socioeconomic status, or nationality, religion, denomination even, 
we have to put that aside and treat our fellow human beings with the love of God, even those whom we do not want to like, because God wants us to follow Jesus, to be disciples, and to be better at loving and living out the kingdom of God. It is something which is a lifelong journey for us. We will always be struggling with it, but eventually we will get better and better at it if we try. Like Jesus, when he carried his cross, he stumbled. We stumble. We fail, but like Jesus, if we get up and continue, if we resolve to do better, then we will be better disciples. God does not ask us to be perfect, but to try to be better. And let us be better together in God.